Digital Marketing Radio, episode 163. Launching a physical product in the digital sphere. DigitalMarketingRadio.com Digital Marketing Radio is part of the 3B Podcast Network. UK casters talking business growth. Find out more over 3BPN.com The Big Interview with David Bain Today I'm joined by a man who's personally built multiple seven-figure e-commerce stores and generated over £5 million in sales in the UK and $40 million for his clients in the US. Welcome to DMR, Michael Devlin. How are you doing, David? Good to, good to be here. Yeah, very, very <laughs> good. Thank you. And thank you for joining me. Well, you can find Michael over at massconversions.com. Michael, um, are the digital marketing tactics that work for selling physical goods very different compared with the tactics used for selling digital goods or, or services, do you think? It's a, it's a brilliant, brilliant question and um, something that I, I have to say that is something that's really, really uh, important to me from an e-commerce perspective is that I started to notice that a lot of um, digital product marketers have have targeted e-commerce marketers in the past and it's created, it started to create or is has created a, a, a little bit of a problem. And one of the problems is, is that uh, digital products have a tendency to have multiple upsells inside them. So you've got, you buy one digital product, you want to find out more about how that works. You buy more uh, to, to learn more about that. You, you subscribe and buy into something else. So there's multiple upsells. Where that doesn't work in e-commerce is that the e-commerce area needs multiple funds for you to scale your business right it needs it needs that money that oxygen money from a startup perspective so rather than teach them and give them that upsell the difference between digital products and selling a product to a physical product marketer should be a fixed fee and it should be an annual subscription at that point and that is where the difference kicks in david and i think that the the the, the, the marketers that i've now got in my 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 academy um, to which is, is is now going up to just under 500. But the, mar- the, 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 mar- the, the marketers I've got inside the academy have experienced this where they have um, bought into courses and then bought the upsell and the upsell and the upsell. And before they know it, when they get to the end of the training, they've got very little money to sell, to, to scale their businesses and sell their start, begin selling their products. So it's, it's something that I think has, is starting to change and should change pretty rapid. You're talking about selling physical goods, um, but is it generally more effective to sell physical goods from your own website or from a third-party website like Amazon or someone like that? Yeah, I would always say that you should validate your product and begin selling on Amazon. Amazon's the biggest e-commerce platform in the world. It has customers who are dialed right in with their credit card details, um, tens of millions of them. <laughs> so so why would you start a website that nobody knows rather than creating a physical product, branding it, and then sitting it on Amazon and getting that customer validation? But long term, would you say more profit can be made from your own website or Amazon still holds the ability to actually generate lots of profit as well? Well, long term, you can create a very, a very sustainable business on Amazon, but you have to be at the right price level. Gone are the days four years ago or three years ago where you could bring out a product at twelve ninety nine, sit it on Amazon and organically get the customers. You have to put paid search behind your product now. Amazon is becoming um, very similar to Google in the respect of its paid search environment. It's got its own PPC area where you can go in and bid on sponsored 
so, for example, you have to have a physical product that's got enough profit that will allow you to sustain that. What you also have to do is have a, a remarketing or a retargeting game for the long term, and that is getting your data off of Amazon because an Amazon business that remains on Amazon has literally got no net worth because Amazon owns your customer base. So you have to have a strong play to get your customers out of there and into your own e-commerce store. So it has to be a dual play, David. Okay, so it's got to be expensive enough so there's enough of a profit margin in there for you. But I reckon, or, or, or maybe this isn't right, maybe you can tell me if this is the case or not, does it not have to be cheap enough as well so that people are, are prepared to make an impulse decision about purchasing it? No, definitely not. I mean, you've got to remember that regardless of what you, when you start your own physical product and you say private label or start your own brand, uh, you are essentially putting that product on Amazon. But when a consumer visits Amazon, they're buying from Amazon. The trust is with Amazon. It, the consumer is protected that if, you, you know, if, if there's a bad experience, then Amazon will refund the customer automatically and deduct that money from your account. So the consumer goes on there and just buys with trust. So you don't have to be the cheapest and you certainly shouldn't start a brand with the view of being the cheapest because it is just a race to the bottom at that point. How do you differentiate yourself compared with the competition then if you don't do it by cost? You differentiate yourself in your packaging. You have better images on your product. You have a better USP on your product. You potentially have a user guide or an instructional guide or you have a value add inside there. And that's all of something that we teach all of our students to do at the, at the private labeling point of, of starting the, 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 the brand and kicking it off. Got you. And can it be effectively exactly the same product plus the added extra or would it be actually a, a bit of a different product and a unique product out there compared with what other people are offering? Well, innovation is not always about invention, David. Again, it's something that we teach the students is that you should really focus on being uh, a little bit diverse. And you can do that through the colors that you choose. You can do it through the logo, the name, uh, the branding, the boxing, the packaging. Um, all of that alongside the lifestyle images that you create can set you light years ahead of the competition. So you don't have to invent a product to be innovative. What, what might be an example of a few goods that... Um are really good and effective to be selling on Amazon at the moment? Well, I'm, gl I'm glad you asked that as well because we've created our own software um, called the, the Amazon Product Engine and literally inside Profits Engine where I'm happy to give so yeah, your listeners free access to um, for a couple of months and let them try it where you can go in there by any keyword and you can punch any keyword into the engine and it will pull you back the best selling products inside Amazon and give you an exact amount numerical value wise of what that product is currently selling and projected to sell over the next 12 months. Okay, that sounds great. So um, uh, how should we do this then? Do, do you want to um, give a, a URL out to the, to the listeners to, to give that a, a go? Yeah, absolutely. You can just go ahead and, and, and literally put in the details at massconversions.com and contact myself and I'll happily and just put, um, you know, David Bain is your, is your code and, and get in contact with myself and I'll give you free access for two months. No problem. Okay, great stuff. Okay, well, that was um, off the cuff. Didn't know you were going to offer that. So I'm sure you're, uh, our, my listeners are going to be very um, keen to try that out. But um, just in terms of a few more tips in terms of, in terms of just getting started, if someone hasn't sold anything on Amazon before at all and they're thinking of just testing it, just, just giving it a go, um, would you say there's a few first steps that you can recommend to actually get started with? 
the few steps I would do is is go on to Amazon and find out what the best selling products are, and then work your way deep into that category list. I would always recommend if someone's never sold on Amazon or sold an e-commerce or ever had a physical product business is actually to find something that they're passionate about. You have to be passionate about the product because if, you, if you're if you not passionate about the niche that you're about to enter or the category that you're about to enter, then you're never going to have the, the passion to see it through when the going gets tough. So I would always recommend to do something that you that you're passionate about because you'll understand the user base, which makes your marketing a hell of a lot easier when you're putting the collateral together, uh, because you'll understand that space a little bit better. You'll understand the user, and, and and I would really strongly recommend them to start at the at the bestseller category and work your way deep into there and look for products between between 15 to 25 or 25 to 50 pounds or 15 to 25 dollars if you're going to if you're going to start on amazon.com okay okay and are you generally best starting off in your own country or do you think that you can get away with actually selling in other countries and there might even be better opportunities to sell to other countries a lot of people recommend that you start on Amazon.com because it's a far bigger platform. A lot of the user base, chances of success are greater. But I've had I've had success in all of the Amazons. I've had success in .co.uk.com, Italy, France, and Germany, um, Amazon and Amazon Canada as well. So I I really would recommend if you're manufacturing in China, the logistics are so easy with FBA, which is fulfillment by Amazon for your listeners' purposes, is you can source in China. And then start sending and literally just send, If it, let's say the minimum order quantity is 500, you can send 250 into the United Kingdom and 250 into the US and you've got a foothold in both marketplaces. And that's often the best way to do it, to validate the product and find out what platform or what, what area is going gonna, is gonna to sell out quicker. Okay. And through that fulfillment by Amazon, you can just ship directly to Amazon and then they'll take care of everything after that. Take care of absolutely everything in terms of um, pick, pack and shipping your product. Uh, and that way you don't have to have a website at this at that moment in time because you're just in the validation process. And as your business begins to scale, then that's when you start to look for, for courses such as the likes of myself that will teach you how to scale your business, start and scale and, and then grow beyond Amazon. Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, I love find, finding out about things like this, and I'm sure uh, my listeners do as well, because even although a lot of my listeners are um, maybe digital marketers, maybe people that work in agencies or entrepreneurs with their own business already, there's nothing wrong with you know taking a look at um, other opportunities where you can augment your existing business, sell more products or service, or, or perhaps even start a sideline if you're working as an, a digital marketer in an agency as well. So it's very relevant to a lot of people, I'm sure. And in fact, your own clients, do you actually find them to be people who work full-time themselves? What's your average client background? The average client background is from people who have owned cupcake businesses all the way right through to lawyers, attorneys, real estate agents, uh, and they start off an Amazon business as a passive income. And it can very rapidly take hold into becoming a brand. And we we teach the, the students to go down the route of always have the brand building principles, which is brand behavior, have the best logo, don't do something on the cheap, have the best packaging, have the best lifestyle images, uh, make sure your images are all branded inside. It, it is really important to go down that route, David. So something that can start off as a passive income can really start to metamorphosize into uh, a global brand very quickly with, with, with Amazon. 
Okay, I like that because you're encouraging your students to be as professional as possible. And, um, you know, hearing about these kind of things, you know, as you said, four or five years ago, it was all about um, just bulk and just ordering it in and just, just selling as much of, of it as you can for, you know, without doing anything or creating your own brand. And um, I guess you're creating long-term value in what you're doing by creating your own brand as well. And a, a question in relation to that. How do you actually, when you're selling on Amazon, build up your own portfolio of customers? I mean, can you actually somehow collect their contact details, their email addresses, for instance, as well? Well, the email addresses are encrypted because Amazon deems that as, as treasured information. But we have developed a system with Profits Engine where once your MWS keys are plugged into the platform, which is your marketplace web services keys, for if it, once the minute you set up a seller central account, you get them automatically. We show you how to locate them and all of that sort of good stuff. Then you put the MWS keys into the engine. And what the system will do is every order that you get, it will take it and take the order number and the mobile number out. Now, a lot of people back in the day or just up until maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, were chasing the the email address. Email addresses are changing. Some people, and I guess you have as well, David, have got maybe three or four email addresses and it's not really accurate anymore because the inbox is 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 dead. It's not where the consumer will congregate. I know that a lot of marketers on your podcast might disagree with that. However, I'm a physical product person. Uh, it's not something I want to is to do is 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 ram physical products and, and get you to make that buying decision in your inbox. What I'll do is I'll change that and I'll use the mobile number to retarget the customer inside social. And we have got a one-click process that's set and forget that every order you get on Amazon, it filters it up and creates a, a, a custom audience inside Facebook, which you can then use to create a lookalike audience off the back of that. And to, to be clear as well, we use that initially for um, customer services purposes is to make sure the customer has got a great experience and we push them back to the review section inside Amazon to increase reviews and then potentially offer value by by offering a download. And the great thing about that is when you're retargeting, you are only serving that advert to that consumer who has purchased the product. So the brand relationship is already there. So you mentioned um, Amazon had their own pay-per-click service earlier on, and you're also talking about Facebook retargeting. Is it more effective to actually pay for advertising on Amazon or Facebook or other platforms as well? Well, to, to, to be clear, when you're inside the ad manager of, of Amazon, then you are, you're, you're running paid search and competing against bidding terms. So the, keywords, the keyword principle, you're buying for position on another branded product, for example. You're maybe looking at products that are most frequently bought with your product that are similar to yours, and you're targeting those products for consumers' consumers' attention. The difference with retargeting is, is that you're sitting inside the timeline of social from someone who's potentially, well, not potentially, who has already bought your product. So when you do that, your cost per click goes down because Facebook sees that as a as a custom audience, therefore the cost per click automatically reduces because you've provided the data to Facebook. So that is that's that's the difference. Whereas you might pay potentially two twenty or one eighty a click inside Amazon's platform. Once you start the retargeting process, your cost per click comes down, and the brand relationship and ultimately retention starts to go up. And you can either dr- choose to drive that traffic back to Amazon 
or indeed drive them back to your landing page, which starts that brand relationship. But I would always recommend to your listeners, if they're just starting out, drive that traffic back to, uh, to, to, to from Facebook to Amazon to get maximum impact. So I'm used to people suggesting creating a customer audience on Facebook using email addresses, but um, is, it, um, is it possible to actually create that custom audience using just names and phone numbers then? Is that how you do it? You can just use the phone number. You don't even need the name because right. the if you take your mobile number into Facebook right now, your Facebook ID will come up. And the biggest indication of that or indicator was when Facebook separated the messenger from the actual um, app itself, which was a, a clear indication that retargeting through mobile was where it was going to be at. Mobile numbers are uh, are far more uh, far more reliable in terms of marketing because most people have their mobile number, which I've had for over 10 years. So do you also uh, so use SMS um, marketing as well? Um, I don't use SMS marketing in the outset because I find it just a little bit spammy. But and, and as the brand relationship, if the customer's bought from, from us more than once, then we will definitely trigger that relationship with, with SMS marketing. But we usually use SS, SMS marketing for value ads for to give them a download or give them something. We use that for gifting rather for asking for a sale. Just finally, in relation to, to, to Amazon and selling physical products online, what are your thoughts on the, the future of this opportunity? Are we in the golden age at the moment? Or is, the, is this opportunity likely to be available for many years to come? I think it's going to be available for many years to come. Amazon is just an absolute beast. It's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Its reach is getting more. Um, a lot of people have said to me, is the Amazon uh, journey over because we're having to spend, we're having to do this? It's not over. It's just changed. It's just different. It's moved. So if, you do, if you're not in line with the changes and all the algorithm changes that are happening inside Amazon with the right network, then ultimately you are going to fall behind. But if you get in with the right network and the right movement, this is a massive opportunity for you to be in and grow and start growing your business in Amazon. And I don't want to scare your listeners off either, David, by talking about private labeling. You can start dipping your toes in the water with e-commerce by, by retailing wholesale products that Nike, Under Armour branded products and actually understanding how Amazon as a platform works by, by retailing those products out, which will ultimately sell faster. Yes, your margin's not going to be as much as it would if it was private labeled, but that's a great way for you to potentially build up a user base in compression clothing, for example, and then go ahead and, and private label compression clothing because you've already got the database and Nike's already got that market presence. Wonderful. Okay, so it's not changing. It's not necessarily getting harder. It's just getting more professional, probably. Probably getting a little bit more. Um, yeah, far more. Uh, far more. Dip, far more ways. Amazon is molding and, and changing because of all of the social, uh, the, the social areas round about it, such as Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest. It, it wants that traffic, and, and, and in order for Amazon to get that traffic, it's having to adjust and change the perimeters, and it's forcing its sellers to move in that direction and forcing them to use these and rewarding them as well organically. When it sees traffic coming in from these sources, it's boosting you up the rankings as well. So it's definitely changing, that's for sure. Okay, well, let's segue into the second section of the discussion. So that focuses on Michael's thoughts on where digital marketing has been and where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So, Michael, what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? has to be ScreenFlow without the shadow of a doubt. My editing software couldn't be doing without that. 
Okay, okay. Well, okay, that was quite an easy answer, but here's a slightly more challenging question, and that is, what piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about, and you intend to try at some point in the near future? Um, oh, there's a, there's a ton of keyword tools that are coming out now, allegedly, that's, that's giving you um, a lots of uh, lots of information on keywords, best practice keywords that are allegedly you know pushing a lot of numbers inside Amazon. But I, I use Manage by Stats. It's a, it's a system that I've heard about a lot, and it's um, something that's great for monitoring um, the drop and the increase of rankings inside uh, inside different keywords for Amazon. So it's a, a kind of an SEO tool for Amazon. But it's uh, it's something that I've heard about, and I'm definitely going to go over and try and see what it's all about, as well as developing my own software. But I'm not going to say I can't live without that. That would just be too biased. <laughs> <laughs> so when you talk about keyword tools, um, are you talking about keyword tools that actually use Google's um, like AdWords keyword phrases, Google SERP keyword phrases, and apply them to Amazon? Or is it a keyword tool that specializes on Amazon? Yeah, it's a keyword that allegedly specializes in Amazon, and I've got an expansive um, history in, in paid search. I've spent hundreds of thousands in paid search with Google and generated millions of pounds in sales um, and dollars with um, PPC inside Google. Um, and I always like to check out these tools and cross-correlate the data that's in there with uh, Google uh, Google Keyword Tool, because I, I always, and I swear and live by um, Google Keyword Tool, because it really is the... The, the, the oracle of all data when it comes to keywords. But there's no harm in checking all of this stuff because you might find some some really great suggestions um, because I think what a lot of these tools do is they go out and crawl um, web pages inside Amazon and bring back keywords that and key phrases, which you can find and then, then plug into Google and let Google make those um, suggestions for you, which will really grow out your data when you're ready to upload those keywords into the ad manager of Amazon. Do you think that there are many longer tail keyword phrases out there that people aren't actively bidding on that are fairly relevant for products and services? Or do you think by and large people are bidding on everything that's relevant nowadays? I think if you're a product or I think if you're a service, then you're definitely getting most of the terms that you need from Google. But if you're a product, then there's no harm in looking at a competitor's listing or a web page inside Amazon and looking at the phrases from there. Um, some of these software tools specialize in getting those getting that data. Um, the, the, the phrases that a competitor uses could be something that you might not have think, thought of, for example, and then you can then put that inside Google and let Google suggest multiple different phrases round about it. So it is, it's a cool way of, of, of really just giving yourself um, many different um, plan Bs when it comes to growing out your listing and, is, and, and, and being effective in paid search. Lovely. Okay, well, I'll include links to your um, software recommendations in the show notes over at digitalmarketingradio.com. But let's move on to... I wish I would have. So I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done? done? Um, Paid search, that's for sure. Okay, so so what year was this about you were talking about? This was about 2006 going into 2007. Okay, so AdWords existed then? AdWords existed then, definitely. And when AdWords existed in 2007, uh, when we first launched, uh, 2006, when we first launched our business and get into AdWords, we realized that we'd lost over a hundred grand um, in, out of the business in paid search. It really started to crush us. Um, so I, I wish that I had uh, paid closer attention to um, picking up and compressing the keywords back then. Thankfully, I had a really successful business then that sustained it. 
Um, so uh, it was one of those ones where um, if I'd uh, understood more about paid search before pull, pulling the pin, then it would have been better. But thankfully, I, I managed to become quite diverse and there's nothing quite like the motivation factor of losing your own money to learn something very quickly. <laughs> Absolutely. The this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Just two rules here. Try not to think about the answer too much. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. Ready to go? Go. Email or Twitter? Twitter. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Affiliate. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? One-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? Paid search. Email contact form or telephone number? Telephone number. Website or app? App. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Social. And local marketing or global marketing? Global. It kind of surprised me that you said app, actually, instead of website. Has, has that changed to app quite recently? It has changed to app because I've seen a lot of uh, websites behaving like apps lately and more traffic has been driven from 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 social through or from mobile in social and remaining in there. And I think if you look at the app environment, I think e-commerce apps might start to take over the website. It might start to take over the desktop. So uh, I definitely can see that happening over the next two years where more uh, more brands start to become app centric as opposed to worrying too much about brochure sites. When you're selling on Amazon, can you actually track the quantity of sales through the Amazon app as opposed to their website? You certainly can, yes. And has that increased quite a bit over the last year or so? Yeah, I think, um, well, the sales have increased. Um, but in terms of the user base, I think it's uh, I think the more sellers that are out there, um, sellers want to see real-time information of their sales coming in. And all the sellers that I know, certainly in my network, and certainly the students that I work with all use the app. The $10,000 question. So if I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Um, I would spend it on potentially physical products. I would do a social giveaway and I would then take that data and remarket to that, to that audience and I would measure the success on the return visitors. Very, very specific. I like that. So uh, a social giveaway, does that mean that you'd give away a physical product um, on Facebook? Yeah, on Facebook or Twitter, a retweet to win is, is a great, great way to get traction. Um, we, we were listed by Twitter.com as a, as a success story, having a 22% conversion rate on that platform. So it really bugs wow. me sometimes when I hear wow. some marketers turn around and tell me that it's Twitter dying. Um, Twitter is dying because they don't know how to operate it or haven't really explored it. Um, so some really cool software coming out, I think, um, that, that that was highlighted in Montreal when I was at Internet Marketing Summer Camp just two weeks ago over there. I was speaking at that event. And um, yeah, it's interesting to see some of the some of the software platforms that are bringing back a lot of social signals and sounds from the from the fire hose of Twitter it is a great place to get real time two way discussional points. If you're a brand, um, ignore it at your peril is all I'll say. And what about Snapchat? Are you using that much? 
Snapchat is a, it's a great question. I mean, it's obviously one that Gary Gary V keeps talking about. It's mm-hmm. one a lot of um, high level marketers, Justin Brooke as well, is is now moving over there and talking a lot about Snapchat. But one of the things that I I would say is that. Um, Snapchat is great for one-to-one brand relationships, right? For isolated relationships with that brand. But are you big enough to be operating? Do you, d- does your brand have that awareness to to be operating on Snapchat? Are you are you are you are you engaging enough to be on Snapchat as a physical product? You know, bear in mind that we are physical product marketers. Um, has your brand got the presence to be on Snapchat? I'm not saying ignore it. Um, all I'm saying are, is, is are you are you ready for it? And is your audience ready for it, I guess, as well? Because um, at the moment, I guess it's still skewed towards a, a younger demographic. Younger demographic, and it's very, very good for, uh, for, for gaming. It's good for um, big brands like your Under Armour, your Nikes of the world. Um, you, you know, it's great for celebrity endorsement of brands and so on and so forth. But for, for, for me, it's not an area of focus with our physical products. Our physical products reside in areas that they, they should be, such as Amazon, uh, social, and, and getting that brand relationship struck. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if the demographic is ready. If they don't hold a credit card, I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> My number one takeaway. Well, Michael, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but... Um... Can you distill it down to a number one takeaway? What would you say is the, the most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their businesses? Um, number one takeaway if you're looking to get into e-commerce is do not procrastinate. Do not fear the unknown. Get your idea. Don't worry too much about it. Don't overthink it and just go for it. It's as simple as that. Procrastination is the thief of profit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly. I'm going to get a t-shirt made for that. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Okay, well, I reckon that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So um, thank you so much for your time and your your advice. What's the best way for a listener to find out more about you and what you do? Yeah, you can visit me at massconversions.com or you can get me over on Twitter at massconversion. Uh, You can also follow me on my public account on Facebook, Michael Devlin. My personal one has reached its limit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, great stuff. Um, so thanks to Michael and uh, thanks to your listener too. If you enjoyed what Michael shared today, tell us what you think. An iTunes review is always good and I might even read it out in a future episode. And if Twitter's your thing, at David Bain is my handle. Maybe it's your thoughts on this episode. Maybe it's your thoughts on what we should discuss on a future episode. Whatever it is, it would be great to hear from you. And I'm talking to you. But until we meet again, be fantabulous and do one thing that scares you. Adios. Thanks again, Michael. Great episode. Thanks, David.